and get into the ground. There we go. And so I think we have enough help uh, with installing that. But if you want to come and watch and be a critic, you can do that too. The more the merrier. All right, let me find my place here in Acts chapter 8. And we're going to read the first eight verses together. And then we're going to jump over to chapter 11 and read one verse there. All right, so Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. The Bible says, And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. Now the death that it's talking about there in verse 1, Saul was consenting unto his death. It's talking about the death of Stephen. If you back up there in chapter 7, you see that towards the end, the stoning of Stephen. And Saul was consenting unto his death. In other words, he was approving of this. And he even had his hands in it, you know, and orchestrating um, uh, all of this. So, they, so Saul was consenting unto his death, the death of Stephen. And at that time, there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And notice this, they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house. Now, just, can you just imagine this, this scene? And just great persecution, persecution like, you know, like we've never seen as a church. But the Bible says that Saul was just going house to house, just breaking in and uh, hailing men and women. Uh, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. I want us to, to read that verse together, if we could, please. Verse 4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out uh, of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame, were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Notice that, great joy in that city. Now jump over to chapter 11 and verse 19. And we see here, now they which were scattered abroad, okay, this is talking about the same, same group of people here that we just read about, Upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. Now, I just want to point this out, that what began with Stephen's death resulted in Saul persecuting, which resulted in the church scattering. So uh, we see this easy scene that kind of unfolds. This is easy to, to picture and understand. And I don't want to focus on the, the persecution, but the gospel was, was being spread because of persecution. And we see that the, this church that was there, that because of persecution, they were forced to scatter. And they were forced to go to these other places, other parts of the country, other countries, other places, other cities to, to minister and to preach the word and to start churches. 
And so I want to I point out something to you that we read together in, in chapter 8 and verse 4. It says, therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. So they, they still, they, they went everywhere preaching the word. And this is kind of what I want us to think about here as I give this introduction to what we're going to talk about here in a minute. Is the New Testament church, at least here in the, the first decades, they never had an opportunity to get settled into their traditions. Um, they were a young church, and because of persecution, they were forced to scatter, right? They, they never got away from the message. We see that. They had to, to, to stay responsive, dramatically responsive. And we can just picture this in our minds. I mean, here are these churches scattered by force, people running, fleeing for their lives, but notice they had to become adaptable, really, to their environments and where they were ministering. And uh, maybe something that we don't think about a lot is the, this church had to very quickly adapt without adapting the message. And so they had this, this unchanging message, but a very changing environment. And I think internally in the church, it was a, a very changing environment, too, right? It, it would have been. Uh, because they were forced to go to these other cities. So when they still kept the message the same, when they still went to these cities and preached Christ, you had people being saved and, 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 and you had these churches that were being established that were, you know, just culturally different, right? Just different people, uh, just, just maybe a different way of doing things. So they had to adapt to an environment like these churches. And I think, um, what about our church? What about Friendship Baptist Church? And, and I think about this. What if we had to adapt to a different culture? Um, what, what if we were forced to uh, leave Huntsville and, and, and go to a place um, like the Middle East or somewhere like that? Uh, what if we had to scatter to a place like that? And I think about these questions. You know, would we even have, would we even have lights um, would we, uh, we've been talking about getting a new sound system, right? And, uh, and how that's something that, that we need. And I think, would we even have a sound system, right? If we were there, um, would we complain about someone sitting in our seat? Would we, would we even have a chair to sit in? And these are things that we would have to think about. Okay, how are we going to adapt? How are we going to adapt to a different environment, a different a different culture, or you know, would would we would we would we be able to quickly adjust to to those those things, and uh, still carry forth the message of of Jesus? I want to I want you to write this phrase down, and and this is all introduction. This isn't exactly what I'm going to speak about this morning, but I'm trying to set something else up so that we can talk about. And I felt like I needed to kind of lay a little foundation here first. And I'd like for you to write this statement down. A growing church is always in transition. All right? A growing church is always in transition. Now, uh, we're not talking about doctrine when we say that statement. Right? Um, we, we, we don't change our doctrine. And it's, it's sad to say that so many churches have, have kind of gone that direction. Right. They they understand, hey, OK, our culture is changing 
And, and I think the mistake that a lot of churches have made is, okay, we want to adapt to the culture. So in order to do that, we need to change our message, just tweak it a little bit, maybe water it down. And uh, we understand that there are some churches, I think a lot of times we make a broad statement, but I think there are some churches who, who obviously don't preach on sin and uh, who, who preaches a very positive message because they want as many people to come in as possible. You know, uh, a crowd, a big crowd is how we kind of gauge uh, success today. But we're not talking about, about that, okay? We, we, we would never, hopefully, right, we would never change our doctrine or what we believe. Uh, that is our foundation. That is settled, right? Every word is settled in heaven. But when we say that, when we say, okay, a growing church is always in transition, you say, what do you mean? We're talking about non-essential things, okay? Some, some methodology. Uh, we're talking about style over substance, uh, preferential things. Uh, we understand that things are changing around us and that we have a commission, right? We have a responsibility to take the message that God's given us and to reach our culture. And I think we're foolish when we, when we don't change some methods and things to be able to reach our culture. I think it's foolish. You know, I think about even our neighborhood. Our neighborhood, I think, is, has even changed since we've moved here uh, just four years ago. I think it's changing. So at, at some point, I think we need to have the conversation, okay, how can we best reach our neighborhood with the gospel? What, what are some things that we could do? We have to do things differently, right? Um, uh, we, we live in a, a largely Hispanic neighborhood. And I know our ministry over at McDonough Elementary, a lot of Hispanic kids, right, families. So we have to prepare for that, okay? How are we going to reach these people? Um, I know, you know and some things take money, I understand that. But, man, wouldn't it be great if we could, maybe you could fire Tim, I don't know, but if we could, if we could hire a Hispanic pastor, you know, someone that could reach these families and kids. Not to say that we can't, but I think they would definitely be more effective, you know. So how, how do we adapt? Without, we don't want to change our message, right? Doctrine doesn't change, but our methods, are, the way we do things, definitely, I think, need to change. So um, we, we, don't, we don't change or compromise the message, but we are commanded to present it to the culture. That's what we see here in the book of Acts, that they were scattered. They were forced into these different cultures, and they quickly adapted because the Bible says they preached the word. And, of course, we know the result of all that. People were saved. So this is a very um, delicate balance, you know, when we talk about these things. We have to figure out, okay, what... What isn't negotiable and, and what is negotiable, right? We have to sit down and think, okay, what, what are some things that we, we don't change? But what are some things that maybe we could do differently? What are, what are some things that we could change that wouldn't violate Scripture? And so what method works, works the best? So a growing church is always in transition, which means this, that a growing church is always changing, Right? I think a growing church is always changing. And we see here healthy growth, I I believe, is healthy change. And I think we would all agree with that, right? That if you're growing, you're changing. I I mean, even personally, let's make it personable. Uh, If you're growing as a Christian, you're, you're, you're going to change. 
right? The more you learn about Christ and, and learn about His Word, God's Word will change you. And, and you will be different. So a, a, a growing church is always changing. This is healthy, okay? This is a change that's good for you. So we need to settle on this, at least, that change intrinsically is not sinful, okay? Change, just the word change, that's not a sinful thing to to think about and to talk about. Um, Have you ever heard this statement, healthy things grow? Pastor's been saying that a lot, right? Especially this year, preaching these messages on the purpose of our church. And healthy things grow, and uh, I, love, I love that idea, and, and it's so true. If our church is going to grow, the idea that he's been presenting is that we need to grow as individuals, right? Healthy things grow. But I think in order for that to happen, okay, now let's, let's make this personal here. In order for things to happen, for growth to happen, in order for us to grow as individuals, we need to say, perhaps, some things need to change, right? We, we need to start doing things differently, maybe. Um, now, historically, especially in, in our independent Baptist churches, it's always been presented that change is bad. And I've heard it before, and maybe you have too, that change is, is compromised. We don't change. We never change. And by the way, I think a lot of those churches are dying. I think that's a foolish thing. And, and, and I think we have to change, right? I think we have to start thinking of, okay, what can we do differently? Um, again, not doctrine or theology, just adapting without compromising. So how do we discern between what doesn't change and what absolutely must change? For us to survive. Um, You know, as I read this passage, I think, you know, we we wouldn't have the gospel if the Jews in Jerusalem didn't very quickly change their whole way of doing church. Right? We we wouldn't even have the gospel today if it weren't for them. So, and I don't think we should change for the sake of change. Because I think there's that idea out there, too, that we have to change. Right? But I think when we we sit down and think, okay, if I'm going to grow spiritually... To help our church grow as a whole, what, what, what are some things that I need to change? What are some things that I need to do differently? Um, so we're talking about truth over tradition. Okay, so I, I say all that to, to say this, and this is really what I want to talk about this morning. I'm going to make a statement. It might, it might be new for a lot of you. Um, maybe you've heard it before. It's not original with me. I really don't know who came up with it. Maybe, um, I don't know, maybe Andy Stanley. I've heard him say it before. But uh, the statement is this. Life change can happen in the context of a building, but ongoing life change happens not in rows, but in circles. All right, and I'm going to explain what what I mean by all that here as we go through this. So life change can happen in the context of a building. That's obviously true, right? And some of you are, are, are maybe even sitting here today saying, hey, my life changed in, in the context of a building, in the context of a service just like this. 
You would maybe say, I heard the gospel preached for the first time in, in, in a preaching meeting where we were sitting in rows like this. And, and I heard the gospel and I, I was convicted of my sin. And, and, and I, I asked God's forgiveness and, and I trusted Christ as my Savior. You would say, my life radically changed, completely changed in the context of a building. And, that, and that's probably most of our testimonies even here this morning. So I'm not saying that even that we should do away with preaching. Obviously, we're going to talk about that. We, we need the preaching of God's word. We need this, right? We need to sit in rows and listen to preaching. And by the way, um, I was telling our, our teenagers and, and college students this this morning. We are so blessed to, to hear from uh, our pastor each and every week, aren't we? I, I mean, it's it just week after week. I, I told him a few weeks ago, I said, man, you're just getting gooder and gooder. I said, this, this is so good. And uh, what we're doing even in our life group, if you guys remember the very first message uh, Pastor preached um, this year, it was on the five purposes of our church. And we've been taking our life group through that message again. We're just kind of taking our time through it, listening, pausing, listening, pausing, taking notes, discussing, just because, man, it's just so good. I'm so, so thankful to be a part of this church where we hear good preaching uh, every week, and, and our pastor does just a, just a tremendous, tremendous job. But, so what I'm talking about here, so life change can happen in the context of a building, absolutely, but ongoing life change, that's what we're going to try to drive at. Ongoing life change happens really not in rows like this, but in circles. So I'm, I'm talking this morning about doing life with other believers, and I want to ask you this question and just think about it. Are you in a group? Are you in a circle? Do you have a group that you say, you know what, I am, these are the people that I am doing life with. These are the people that I go to. These are the people that pray for me. I pray for them. We help each other. We encourage each other. Do you have a group? Are you in a circle? And in, 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 this even, I, I would say, goes beyond life groups. You know, we've been encouraging everyone to be a part of a life group, and I hope that you are because, man, it's so good. As we've heard the testimonies, it can be so helpful and beneficial. So we want you to be a part of our, our, our meetings here. We want you to be a part of our, our life group. But are you a part of a, a group? I think it's essential, an essential part of growth. So... Life change happens when there is accountability, right? A, a sense of, of becoming. Life change happens when, when I can learn how to implement the principles of Scripture that we hear in my daily life, right? And, and, and not much of that goes on, does it? I mean, let's, let's just be honest. You know, me and Tim have talked about this so much. How in most churches, and dare I say, even our church, Right. We, we hear we come on a Sunday morning and we hear a message, great message. But we walk away and we never revisit it. Right. We, we walk away from it and we never sit down to think, OK, what are the implications in my life? What am I going to change because of what I just heard? And, and, and we're not in a circle of friends. We're not in a group where we can talk about these things. Hey, what God speak to you about? Man, that, that was really good. Remember, you know, the Bible said this, and we need, I need to change that in my life. Does that go on? 
Some of it, I think some of it does. But as a whole, I, you know, I just, I just don't see it. I don't think it does. So, um, so life change happens when there's accountability, the sense of becoming, implementing these, these things that, that we hear. And it's just not likely to happen sitting in rows. I don't, I don't want to say it can't, but it's just not likely to happen. Um, I would say this, if this is all you're getting every week, and as good as it is, if, if this is all you're getting, you're starving yourself. You are. Uh, if you don't have a personal time alone with the Lord each day, and if you're not a part of a life group, or if you're not in a circle of friends that you meet on a regular basis, if you just come on Sunday morning, this is all you're getting, you're, you're starving yourself. You, you, we, we need more, right? We need accountability. We need, we need help. And uh, I just think this is so important. I, I believe in this so much. And uh, we're going to hear from some, some guys who are doing life together here in just a moment. And they're going to come give a testimony. And I know that will be a, a great blessing to you. But, you know, we think about this. You know, you're, you're sitting beside someone today. And they have no idea. When you leave here today, they, they have no idea what's going on in your world. And we're so guilty of this, right? We, we come in, and, and I love this church. It's a friendly church, very friendly. And I've made a lot of friends here. But we come in, and we say our casual, you know, hey, how are you doing? Good, thanks. Did you see the game last night? You know, we have these conversations. But when we sit in rows... And this is, this is it, right? When we sit in rows, we, you don't know what the other person's going through, right? The, the person that's sitting beside you, you, you don't know what kind of week they had, really. I mean, you don't know um, what they're struggling with. Um, so when you sit in a row, you don't know, right? You, when you sit in a row, you just, you just don't know. So I believe groups are so important. Um, to be spiritually nourished requires more input than the preacher can provide for you. And when you gather in a row, the problem is that, that no one knows what you're going through. And, and there has to be a way for you to connect, for you to allow people to enter in. And that's a scary thing. I understand that. A lot of us are private. You know, we, we just we don't want to share our struggles and burdens with people. But... If we're going to become what we ought to become and be the Christians that God wants us to be, we got to let people in. You know, you, you got to let people into your life and, and just be transparent and say, man, I had a terrible week and this is what I'm struggling with. And man, I, I had a fight with, with, with my wife and I just don't know what to do. And, you know, we just we share these things. Right. And we just this is what I'm talking about when we when we do life together. But for most of us, and, and you guys would agree with this, we, we drift, don't we? There's all kinds of drift, uh, things, things that we drift from. Um, I work at a gym uh, part-time in the mornings, and Jake will tell you this, that January 1st rolls around, and uh, you have all the New Year's resolution people that come and join, and we get a lot of memberships in January and February, but what happens? They, they slack off, right? They, we, we, we see this great crowd of people come, 
And then in February, March, you're thinking, where is everyone? Yeah, where do they go? It's because we just naturally, we, we drift, don't we? We make these resolutions, diets, fads, all these things. They last for a few weeks, but then we just drift. We want to get out of debt. We, we have a marriage we want to work on. We have kids that we want to put more time into. We make these great commitments, and then we drift. And the same thing is true in our spiritual life, right? We, we, we drift spiritually. And, um, and uh, we, we, we need to be a part of a group, of a circle, where people have access, a way for us to, to connect. And so um, it's like trying to swim upstream. You know, anything in life that's, that's worthwhile doing requires effort, right? Um, but we're human. We drift. We have this, this problem on a regular basis. And when it comes to swimming upstream, we've not been called to do this alone. Right? God never intended for us to do this, go through this life alone. And you say, well, yeah, but I have my church family. Let, let, let's, let's narrow it down, okay? Because, you know, Tim's been here for how long? 14, 15 years? And, and I'm sure most people, they don't know everything about your life, right? I mean, you have friends, you have acquaintances, you have people that know you, know about you. But I think you have a circle of friends that really know some things about you that no one else knows. And, and, and me too. And I'm just saying we all need that. Every single member needs this. We all need this. Um, so, so, so we drift. And, and, and it's just, man, it's so important to do this with someone else, to do it in a circle. I'll, I've asked Sam Porter to come and give a testimony. Is Sam in here? Yeah. Sam, you want to kind of make your way? And because uh, I know that Sam is, is, is in a circle like this. He's in a group that's been beneficial to him. And uh, I just want him to take a few minutes to share what it's meant to you. And then, um, and then I can come back, okay? And the Lord brought me to uh, this church um, because of situations. Um, and it all started with uh, started with being selfish. Um, I like to fix things. I like to. I grew up taking everything apart. Um, God gave me a great ability to do that, but not pay attention in school. Um, just did not happen. Um, but He was going to use that to to make me a better person. Um, unfortunately, I just didn't figure it out until it was a. A long, long time. Because um, I never really had that personal growth with, with Christ. I never had that. I mean, I remember a couple of times, especially like at camps growing up. Uh, I remember some times up there. Uh, you make decisions. And uh, I'm going to, like you said, like, like joining a gym. I'm going I'm gonna really, to really get my word and really uh, uh, grow with the Lord. But after that, just went on through life, still going to church, uh, still doing what I thought was right, and showing up to church and putting on that fake, that fake, uh, fake face, saying, "Yeah, everything's everything's fantastic." When I know I'm struggling with stuff, um, and then you take that struggling Christian, 
and um, he joins the Navy. Um, there's nothing like a bunch of, uh, there's reasons why they say uh, um, things about sailors. Um, it's, it's because we are, we're, 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 we, get, we get out of hand, uh, especially uh, me as a submarine, uh, on a submarine, um, we get a bunch of guys together with no, uh, no ladies around. Um, we tend to uh, go a, a little overboard. But um, all this time, still just, still going to church, found a fantastic church when I was in the Navy, but never, never really connecting, uh, never really diving deep into his word and, and, and getting with someone and saying, can you help me grow? Um, at one point, God forced me into a situation to try to help someone else that was uh, much younger, just starting off. And this time, trying to help him grow, I wasn't growing myself. I wasn't even doing devotions. Um, and, and, but the Lord still used it, even though I did a horrible job. Years later, that, that fellow called me and said, what you did tell me, it finally, it finally, it finally spoke. It finally kicked in. Um, so even when I wasn't even really trying to do a good job, because I wasn't having that personal rock with him myself. He was still able to use that and bless that. But I think back now, how much more could have been blessed? How many others could I have helped? Uh, how many others that if I had asked, can someone, can someone meet with me and, make, and help me spiritually grow? Um, but unfortunately... Um, the devil really puts that in ourselves. You're, you're doing okay. You're doing all right. You're, you're, you're going to church. You're doing, you're doing just enough. Just because we think that we, we think that the devil just uses really bad stuff to tempt us. He uses what he uses what he knows he's going to get us with, which is you're doing enough. You're going to, you're going to church. You go, yeah. You, you'll go out to eat with with some some of the couples. That's that's. That's not growth. That's, that's just hanging out. Um, but unfortunately, it, it still wasn't enough. Um, different situations coming up here and there and not using it to grow and not realizing, you know what? I would have handled this better if my walk with the Lord was better. Um, so unfortunately, he, he brings us to our knees. He puts us in a situation. He puts us in a situation where he goes, am I all to you? He's like, why won't you look at me? I became so good at uh, trying to fix things instead of just leaving it in his hands. And if I had, if I had asked for him to help me with even the small stuff then it, it, it would have been a, a relationship with him it, would, it wouldn't have been wow this is a really tough situation um, let me go ahead and turn to God finally um, when he just wanted you to walk with him in the first place um, so what he does is he bring, brings us to our knees 
when, if we had just been listening to him in the first place, then we would have already been on our knees. Uh, one verse that um, stuck out to me, I was thinking about doing, when uh, thinking about uh, getting ready for this, is First uh, Peter 4.12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing may happen unto you. And uh, in uh, verse 16, yet any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf. And, and ultimately, he brought me to his knee, my knees, and, and um, I'm able to, to give him the glory and, and uh, see how he's walked with me. But if you look up in, uh, in uh, verse, verse 10, as every man hath received the gift, even so, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What if I'd just been doing that beforehand? And so now I see the, the how, how important that is. Because now that I, that's what I do, I meet with several people on a weekly. And so instead of worrying about things at work and worry about things that don't matter... I'm thinking of the things that the pastors are talking about throughout the week because that's what's important through the week. Not what I can do, but what he can do. Amen. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate that so much. And, uh, you know, the Bible is is so important to our lives, as, as he said. Just to help us understand, you know, what's, what's, what's good, what's not good. And uh, what, you know, what, what should we be doing? And uh, I'm going to read a passage. We can go ahead and turn there. Let's go to Hebrews chapter, chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. You know, the Bible even, even talks about drift. How we drift from things. And this letter that I'm going to read to you in Scripture, these, these people had the same problems that we have today. Their setting was different. The situation was different, but they had the same problem. And uh, let me kind of skip some things here for sake of time. Let's go ahead and, and go to yeah Hebrews chapter 3, and um, let's look at verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart, unless there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Let me read that again. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And I think about that last phrase there, you know, who would depart? From the living God. You know, who, who, who would turn away from the living God? This God that's, that's, that's been so faithful, right? So loving, so forgiving. Who, who, who would turn away from a God like that? I know I do, right? My hand is raised. I, I, I turn from God so often. Um, I, I drift. I, I do things that I shouldn't. 
And I'm sure many of you would raise your hand as well. And I think that's more of a human condition than, than it is a commitment issue. Why would we allow ourselves to drift from a good, loving, just God? The one who has our best at heart. And I think the answer is, is right here in this passage. Um, you know, the writer of Hebrews, whoever that may be, we don't, we don't really know who wrote Hebrews, uh, recognized the fact that we, we have this, this tendency, right, to drift away. I think when given the opportunity, we will always turn away from God. It's in our nature, right? We have a sinful nature. And the solution to drifting is in this verse because notice it's, it's not an individual command. What does it say there? Take heed, brethren. He, he says, hey, hey, brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, you're, you're, you're going you're to drift. There, there's an evil heart of unbelief. You're going to depart from the living God. He says, you are going to drift. So the, the solution to drift is, is community, right? It's not isolation. I think a lot of times we just we want to isolate ourselves. Right? We're, 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 we're prideful. We are. We're prideful. We're selfish. I, I can fix myself, right? Uh, but we need community. And so the solution to, to this drift, I think, is being in a circle, not in a row. Because we come in, into church meetings like this week after week, and we don't let people in. Right? Just people have, just people have no idea what you're going through. And so the solution is just, hey, let me, let me let some people in. So when we get into a circle, people do know, right? I, I believe this. I believe if everyone, if every single person that would call friendship their church home, if they would, would be involved in a group, I think it would drastically decrease the need for pastoral counseling, um, now, not all counseling. I understand there's some, you know, special things that need to be dealt with, and maybe you know some of us aren't equipped, or you know. Um, but I, I think it would drastically be reduced. Um, I, I'm in the process right now of, of getting my certification in biblical counseling, and just enjoying it, just loving it so much. And, and, and one of the things they ask, the, one of the things they kind of teach us to do is, is when you have a counselee come in, for, you know, to, for help, one of the first things you ask them, I mean, obviously, you know, you want their testimony and things like that, but one of the first things you ask them is, hey, are, are you a part of a group at your church? You know, are, are you in a, an, an accountability group? Just because it's so important. Look at verse 13, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. It says, but exhort one another daily. Wow, what if, what if we were in a circle of friends? And, and, and I'm talking about a, a small circle, okay? A small group. What, what if we were in a group that would daily exhort, right? Man, every day we need people who have permission to ask us how things are. And that's the idea here. He, it's saying we, we have to beg each other every day. We need someone who's going to step into our life. And, and, and we need people like that. And that way, you know, these people that are close to us, they, they know. 
hey, something not, something's not right. You know, that, that, that brother, that sister in Christ, they're, they're going through something. And we kind of poke and prod, right? We have that permission in a group, in a circle. What would this, what would this look like? You know, I'm in a group right now with three other guys here in our church. And, and we just, we, we talked about this last time we met. And we all, around the circle, we, we said, we give each other permission for, to at any time. You, you can speak into my life. You, you can rebuke me. If you see something that maybe an attitude I have that's not right, you have permission to call me out and say, hey, you don't need to act that way or you don't need to be thinking that way. And I think that's so healthy to, to be in a group like that. What, what, what would it look like if, if that dad who's having trouble with his son and, and, and needed help, what, what if he was in a circle? What kind of help would he get from other dads? Uh, what would it look like for, for that mom or that wife who, who maybe has, just struggles with her husband? What, what would that look like if she was in a circle? What about a teenager who's going through the stresses, really, of just being a teenager? And I know that, that you guys go through a lot, and I recognize that. And you, you have uh, different challenges even than I had when I was a teenager. But what would it look like if you guys were in a circle? Now, all of our teens are in a circle. That's kind of one of our requirements in our youth group. And we've been doing this for a few years now to where if you're a part of our youth group, you, you, you get in a circle, right? You have a group, and, and they meet on a regular basis. Uh, one of our teenagers just came up to me the other day, and you would never guess who it was. I'm going to tell you who it was in a second, but you'd never guess who it was. And they just came up to me, and they said, Hey, how, how are you doing spiritually? How, how's your walk with the Lord been? Now, that will make you take a step back, right? You know who it was? It was Tyler Holbrook. And he just came up and said, Hey, how are you spiritually, man? That means a lot, Tyler. But we need people like that. And uh, that's, the, that's the culture that we're trying to create in our youth group. And, and I think it's healthy, right? Because we encourage each other and, and we ask each other, hey, how's it going? You know, do you need something? Do you need, what are you going through today? And we pray for each other. So when someone drifts, it begins within. And um, to be in a circle means that you give people this permission to ask this question, how's it going? And we need, again, we need people in our life like that. Who, who in your life feels free to ask this question? Are you okay? And they won't accept the answer, I'm fine. Do you have anyone in your life like that? Look at the last part of Hebrews chapter 3, uh, chapter three verse 13. But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. He's saying here, encourage each other, implore each other, beg each other while it's still today. So the best defense for drift is, is not you. The best defense for drift is not even me, but it's we. Right? We're in a circle with, with a group of people that, that, that help us. What would this look like if, if this happened what would your life look like now if you would have had a circle of friends that, 
that you could do life with? What, what are some things, and like Sam touched on it, what, what are some things that you could have even been saved from if, if you would have done this early on? And again, this, this happens outside of church, right? It happens outside of even our life groups. So, so what does this look like? I want to have uh, Lionel come up, and he's going to give a testimony. And then I'm going to come back and just try to wrap this up for us. All right. Thank you so much, Daniel, for actually giving me this opportunity. It's truly just a godsend to have someone like this in our life. Like, I really can't praise Daniel enough. He really is one of the foundational friends of my life right now. And I really want to just testify to what God's done in my life because of people like Daniel and many others in this church. But just, like he said, not being complacent with being in rows like we are right now. And like he said, there's nothing wrong with being in rows. That's how most of us actually are accustomed to right now is being in rows. But being in a circle, just something that I've just discovered really just in these past couple of months is what it's like to be in a circle. And I can tell you, really, I'm 26 right now, and I mean, I feel ashamed to say this, but this is really the moment in my life where I feel like I'm actually finally, you know, from what I've read from being a kid to a teenager to a young adult, just reading about what God wants me to do, how he wants me to be a light into him, you know, actually feeling like it's upon, before what Daniel talked about, just me, being upon myself to actually be that person that does everything, you know, taking what you learn from church and then going out and trying to do it all by yourself, you know, that's something that the devil really used up until this point to really discourage me. You know, I would hear Pastor Rick, who I love to death, you know, preach amazing messages and actually think about, wow, it's so incredible. Like, how am I going to go out today or tomorrow and actually apply what he taught me? Because it's that rich. And the devil will use that sort of pride that, think, that makes you think that it's all up to you to actually be the change. You know, and it's like trying to climb Mount Everest without actually having any training. Um, it's, it's not possible. It's so hard. You know, yeah, we all know about one or two people that maybe they can do that. Like, they're that, you know, gifted by God. They can actually, you know, read the word, hear a message, and go out and do it. But I'm going to raise my hand, too, and say I'm one of those people that will drift if I'm not held accountable. And, you know, I'm not ashamed to say it because I'm not going to pretend I'm something I'm not. So, um, for me, being part of a group that Daniel alluded to, being in a circle of guys that actually helped me actually look at what God has worked in our life and how we're actually going to go out and do that. Just having an agenda of stuff that we know God has placed in our heart and just being accountable to our fellow friends, it's life-changing. I really feel like it's a new me right now because I'm actually in a circle with my friends. And that's the key word that I think Daniel really would agree with me on, on this, is that it's your friends, these people in your life. You know, I'd, be, I'd venture to say that everybody in this room has at least one friend in this community and all it takes is one friend just two just to have another person if not more to actually have a group a circle that you guys can meet up with and actually say hey let's go out let's go out to Publix you know let's grab some uh, stuff and go to our house and you know actually just fellowship and actually talk about what we feel like God wants to do like hey let's read these books that help us draw closer to God you know, right now, Daniel and I and a few other guys, we have 24 books, actually, that we're reading this year. We're actually on the third one right now. And these books are just, you know, you know, stuff that pastors mentioned, stuff that, you know, Daniel and a couple of us have found. We actually are together working on reading through these books that help us become who God wants us to be. But it's not, it's not as daunting as I would have thought last year versus right now because my friends, the circle that I'm part of, 
is so encouraging. We actually help each other to keep each other accountable to, you know, you know, like he said, like I give Daniel permission to talk to me about anything that he sees in me. And the same goes for me to him and any of our friends. Like that step of friendship that's going to make this circle something that God can use. And everybody in this room has a friend. There's nobody in this room. I can, I would say 100% confident everybody in this room has a friend. And all it takes is you and that friend and maybe some more, just a nice intimate group to say, hey, let's actually go above and beyond with what we feel like God wants us to do. I know we used to think that church is all about just showing up, going to, you know, retreats, going to meetings, nothing wrong with that. But, you know, let's actually step this up and become part of a small circle that will help us accomplish what God wants us to do. To actually go about and spread the Great Commission, to actually be just like the church that we just talked about earlier in this message, was actually spread abroad because of persecution and actually go out and start reflecting what God wants us to do. And the circle that I'm a part of is, is I mean, I feel like it's almost embarrassing to think that I've never thought about this, but just being in a circle of intimate friends that everybody in this room could easily make with your friends is that life-changing. And so if you guys aren't already thinking about that, you know, reach out to anyone that, you know, as far as pastoral staff or a trusted friend, like about creating this circle. Because from the teens to, you know, the elders in the church, anybody can actually be in this circle. Everybody here has friends. And that's all it takes is to find accountable friends that will help you guys because it's that life-changing. I really can't imagine what my life would be without this group already. That's how much it means to me. And Daniel will testify the same. This group of friends that, you know, we learn in a circle of actually just talking to each other face-to-face. It really is the game-changer. And I just want to thank God, really. I just want to worship God so much right now just for, you know, how merciful he is. You know, I don't deserve a small group. Like, I feel like it's, it's that powerful. I don't deserve it in my own mind. But at the same time, God commands us to actually be part of these, you know, these groups that are actually a part of growing his word. Because ultimately, it's for his glory. And this group is not for us. It's not for us to feel like we're intellects or to be prideful. It's for giving God glory. It's for making us closer to what God would have us to be. So if there's one thing you take away from what I said, it's that anybody can be in a circle of friends that God wants us to be growing in, accountable with, and also delighting in. And I'm so happy that Daniel has given me the honor of actually sharing that with you. So I just want to pass it along. I just want to thank Daniel for giving me this opportunity. Amen. Thank you, Lionel. Appreciate that. So good. And uh, let me just mention this, and then we're, we're going to pray and be dismissed, okay? Um, you, you, you just heard two testimonies, and I'm sure maybe there are other groups that go on. I know there's a group of ladies that meet, and I asked uh, some of them to give testimony, but they're, they're not with us today. Um, they stayed over after the retreat, and that's okay. But yeah, there's, others, there's other groups like this that go on. Now, we need to be careful because... We, we don't want the groups to turn into a clique, right? We, we, this isn't for the purpose of gossip or anything like that, okay? This is just to do your spiritual journey with, you know, uh, to, to, to love and care for people, encourage them, pray for them. Uh, you can do it however you want, but like Lionel said, we read books together, and that's been helpful for us for sure. Uh, so you you say how 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 do we how do we go about this how do we start this um, Gordon McDonald said in his uh, book Ordering Your Private World that we should have capital F friends and I, I like that chapter in that book and how do we have capital F friends right these are the people who 
are just above and beyond. This is our group, right? This is our circle. And this is what he's talking about in his book. And um, he gives some practical things in there, but really it's simple. He said, you, you know, just you pray about it. Uh, you say, God, I, I want a circle of friends in my life that I can be open with and, and just do life with. And so you pray, God, maybe just show me who, who you would have me do that with. And then he said, make a, just make a small list of people in your church that maybe you would feel like, okay, I could connect with that person, right? I, I feel like, okay, that's someone that I could meet with on a weekly basis. So you make this circle of friends. And then he said, you just, you invite them out to eat. He just uh, invite them to breakfast, invite them to lunch. And you ask them questions, right? You ask them kind of some personal questions. Um, uh, I think some of the questions in there that he talked about is, you know, you ask about the family, uh, your upbringing. Uh, what was your mom and dad like? Um, you ask them just things about their job. You know, do you like what you do? You know, you just ask them questions. You get to know them. And uh, no strings attached, you know, if, if you feel like, okay, uh, I have some good vibes here or whatever, then you invite them out again and again and again. And it just kind of could even turn into this, right? So you just pray and, and you ask the Lord and, and, and you see what develops. And this is something that we all can do. Um, let me read this one last verse and then I'll pray, I promise. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And verse 9 says this, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. And that's what this is really about, right? This is a group of friends that we go through life with. And when they fall, hey, we're right there to pick them up. Hey, come on, come on. I'm on this journey with you, okay? We're, we're doing this together, right? It's better together, isn't it? It's easier. And, and if you're not in a group, we want to encourage you to be in a life group, but even go beyond that. I'd encourage each and every one of you to find a small group, three or four people, and, and just go on this journey with. And uh, you won't regret it, I promise you. It's, it's life-changing, and uh, I wish I would have done it sooner. And uh, I'm glad that our teenagers are, are doing this now and learning this. And I hope that you guys will continue to do it. Even when you, you know, graduate from high school, continue to do this. And um, it'll help you. All right, let's pray. Lord, we just...